Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of Ballad to Talk About. Just for record, we're recording this on the afternoon of Saturday, the 18th of September 2021. We're just over a week to go until Germans head to the polls and decide who their next chancellor would be and probably the election in which the whole world is looking at, really. We previously talked about the top contenders for chancellor in our main preview for the election, but it is very likely that some of these smaller parties could also play a decisive role and we'll be taking some time to talk about these main parties who um, might potentially have a big impact on the election. So Sam, where do you think we should begin first? I mean, the three parties we're going to talk about today are the FDP, the AFD, the Alternative for Deutschland and the left. I mean, none of them have a realistic chance of providing a chancellor. In fact, all of them decide to nominate what they call Spitzenkandidaten, which for those who follow EU elections, you might be familiar with, which basically means the the lead candidates, the candidates who are going to lead the campaign. And uh, as you said, nonetheless, I think they're going to prove vital in this election, not just in terms of where they may or may not be taking votes from, but certainly in the aftermath of the election as well in coalition negotiations. I think it's probably most sensible to talk about the FDP first, who out of the three parties we're going to talk about have the most recent government experience. But I think it's I think it'll be government experience that they'd be keen to forget because they governed with Merkel's CDU, CSU union in between 2009 to 2013. And then in the 2013 election were completely obliterated. They had zero seats in the Bundestag. And the party aren't strangers to governments because they've been part of variance governments totaling 46 years since 1949. So they are well versed in being a junior coalition partner. But if we look ahead to this cycle, Chern, what do you think their objectives are? And do you think they'll want to re-enter government? And if so, who with? So the natural coalition parties of the FDP has been the CDU. They have primarily gone into coalition with, since the 1980s, actually, uh, since 1982 with the CDU. But that being said, having been the junior coalition CDU and the CDU performing so poorly, that is where it could get tricky because I doubt it would want to go into the government with the SPD and particularly the Greens, considering in 2017 itself, the party pulled out over disagreements over climate change and migration policy. If the SDP is leading in the polls, and since we recorded the German previews, anything but that the SPD has been gaining a couple of percentage points as we get closer to polling day, and the Greens will probably come along with that as their natural junior coalition partner, why would FDP want to go into that arrangement? I still don't think that they will, that they will join that sort of government with the Greens, particularly since the last election, they found that negotiating the Greens, they couldn't get that grand vision as such. Potentially, the only way which um, they could get into government is potentially the CDU, SPD, CDU, FDP, all go into government together. But I don't see that happening because... It just doesn't, I just can't see a life where the SPD and the Greens don't team up. And if that does happen, the CDU might go for life, but I don't think the FDP would. Do you agree with that assessment, Sam? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head with the FDP-Green relationship, because 
they've had quite a tense relationship since 2017 because they both blame each other for those so-called Jamaica coalition negotiations falling apart. My personal inkling is that I think the FDP are sort of gearing up for an inevitable coalition discussion with the SPD and Greens following this election, because I think it's what the results will probably demand in the first place, if indeed they go the way we expected them to go the last time we talked about Germany. And I think it's also what the wider German population would prefer they try first. And I mean, we're going to talk about coalition negotiations ad infinitum after this election takes place, I'm sure. But as just a parting thought, I do think the FDP are going to find it difficult to not even try to form a coalition with the SPD if indeed they do win, if only to stop the SPD having to turn to another party we're going to talk about a bit later on, the left. I I do think there is merit in that. But from the FDP's perspective, I do think that a lot of, it doesn't have a strong base like the SPD or the CDU has. The CDU can rely on the traditional Catholic network. The SPD traditionally could rely on the trade unions. The FDP, as a pro-business party, I think the reason why in which they've been able to maintain you know, over 10% support, which you look at its history, is quite a decent level of support if you take away 2009, which brought them into the government in the first place. I think the, the, it does mean that a lot of their voting pool does consist right now, the modern FDP, a lot of disillusioned CDU voters, particularly those who support the party on the party list vote, that since the CDU has shifted towards more of the centre and has adopted the SPD policy, such as the minimum wage, I think the FDP has found a useful outlet of being uh, a relatively moderate party, but one that is sort of anchored in the centre-centre-right that can attract disillusioned uh, CDU voters. And if they go into coalition with the SPD and the Greens, that USP will very much disappear immediately, I think, because its voters would potentially be horrified and could potentially go back to the CDU. So I think that is the biggest downside risk. I do think they're going to try, but I just don't see that from either the past history of the Greens, or the fact that their voting pool now consists of a lot of disillusioned CDU voters, that it potentially will work, won't it, Sam? I mean, the FDP are on track potentially for one of their best ever electoral performances in terms of raw vote. And we've seen that in state elections that have taken place in the last couple of years as well, that the FDP are really surging compared to some of their lowest ever ebbs after the 2013 election. Is that the kind of base you're talking about? Do you think this is made up of disillusioned CDU voters? Do you think that's what's made the difference? I think it certainly has, because up to 2013, if you recall in the Ryland Palatinate election, actually, there was the CDU tried to run a too clever campaign where it tried to say, to tell its voters to, well, vote CDU, but not too many of you vote CDU and end up losing the state altogether. And so I think that's what happened in 2013. What really happened, CDU decided, right, the stakes are too high. Everyone just votes CDU, particularly on the party list vote. I, I do think that, yes, it has come from the CDU, but these are people who try to the party's ideology rather than those that in, just simply lend their votes to the FDP to get the CDU's co- preferred coalition party. 
So I think there's been a slight change since that 2013 election, particularly since after the 2013 election, the CDU has governed with the SPD. And arguably, Merkel's had to give more to the SPD, particularly over the last four years, as her own political position has weakened. So I think, although it potentially could start out disillusioned um, at the start of this decade, potentially, of CDU voters lending them the FDP votes for convenience purpose to get the preferred coalition outcomes, as the CDU has sort of settled in the last two terms with the SPD government's coalition, they could be more attracted to the FDP in ideology that has allowed them to gain the extra couple of percentage points. That is how I read the situation. That's very interesting. Um, And I certainly think the FDP will be amongst the most interesting parties to watch after this election, because their intentions will probably be vital in terms of the kind of coalition that Germany is going to get after this election. But then I think another party which is also going to be really interesting is the left, who were the successor to the SED in East Germany and is the most left-wing party in the Bundestag and in mainstream German politics. They're currently part of three state governments, including the state government of Thuringia, which they actually lead in a three-way coalition. But their vote is so concentrated in the country that there are actually six state parliaments which they don't have any representation in at all, um, despite being in the government in Berlin, Bremen and Thuringia. So the left seem to be heading towards what is quite possibly their worst ever Bundestag performance, but nonetheless seem to be being talked about more than ever before as potential parties of government. Angela Merkel's remarks earlier on in this campaign seem to imply that the biggest conservative fear in this election is that the left are invited into a government led by the SPD. First question, Chern, is this realistic? Oh, this is a very difficult question because it's certainly tempting though, isn't it, for the centre-left? Because you can form a government of SPD, according to the polls anyway, of SPD, Greens and left. However, I don't think they will do that. And I do think the SPD is a big part. We keep mentioning this, and we keep mentioning this every time we talk about coalitions. We talked about the fact that in Norway, why the Labour Party wanted the left to come in to create a balance to its left and a balance to its right. If it brings the left and the Greens on that, it leaves a gaping hole to the right of it for the more centrist, now the more centrist CDU voters to exploit. And I suspect that a lot of people who now vote SPD are potentially those who quite like that Merkel centrism. They could be quite horrified by the thought of a very left-wing government coming into Berlin. And I think that that is just enough, if particularly the more pragmatic Olaf Schultz becomes chancellor, to prevent the left from coming in. So, therefore, it leaves coalition negotiations poised because it does mean it will probably mean to talk to the CDU, who will be very bruised after this election, and would they want to be a junior coalition party? Having seen what the effect of that in the last 16 years, I do not know. But for now, I do buy that theory that German voters, particularly West German voters, voters in the old West Germany, are a bit reluctant and would be most horrified of that left-wing fear at this stage. But I think at this stage, Olaf Schultz is enough of a counterweight that people might think, people are afraid of it, but because they quite like all our shots and don't believe what happened, they're not switching their votes to the CDU or FDP, which is why their message is not working. 
Do you agree, Sam? Yeah, I can't quite decide whether I think Angela Merkel's fear is a realistic one because as you as you keep saying, I think one of the things that has propelled Olaf Scholz into such a strong position in this election is by being someone who is not afraid to take the moderate lane. So if you were then to turn to what is by far the most left-wing party in Germany and invite them into government, that seems to be dooming your chances of ever being re-elected as chancellor because your moderate lane has been torn up in the eyes of a lot of German voters. I mean, the the left have, have been quite famous recently in German politics because they're part of the government in Berlin who introduced rent control. And that ended up having to be um, overturned in the Const Constitutional Court of Germany. So I think a lot of voters in Germany would point to that case and say, well, we can't have a government that is green SPD left because that's what they have in Berlin. And look how that went. They had some of their flagship policies overturned by the Constitutional Court for being in violation of German legislation and the German constitution. So I think the SPD will be very wary about doing that. And I think Angela Merkel's speech, unusually for her, was very hyperbolic. And I don't, on reflection, I don't actually think it's as realistic a fear as conservatives might hope Germans believe. Something on Angela Merkel. Don't forget, though, her upbringing was one in the shadow of East Germany. And with this being the successor party, albeit not as authoritarian as to the SCD, I wonder how much she draws on personal experience as well. Just quickly, about, um, in, in, in why that speech was so hyperbolic and not Angela Merkel-type nature. So I do, I, I do think a part of it is that for a lot of ger older German voters, they associate the linker with the SCD which is why it's had a problem breaking to West Germany to, to a large extent. So I just throw that out there as a potentially throwaway comment, really, more mm. than anything else. Do you sort of buy that? I do, but in, in equal measure, I think one thing that has benefited the left is a, a phenomenon they call in Germany, nostalgia, which is like um, nostalgia for East Germany. Um, so in equal measure, I think they do benefit from having that attachment as well because they're seen as the more left-wing option and a return to um particularly because their vote's been quite strong in a lot of east german states um because of this very fact that i think people felt like east germany was treated not particularly well in unification talks in the 90s and that the left come to represent a return to the more East German ideals. But that's that's a discussion for another day um, beyond this podcast. And I do think as well that, and one reason why they declined the polls though, is the fact they probably have lost a lot of their East German voters to the AFD though, haven't they? Definitely. And that's a nice way to seg on from the most left-wing party in the Bundestag to the most right-wing party in the Bundestag, who are, of course... The AFD. The AFD were the big story of 2017, gaining 13% of the vote from relative obscurity and have provided some huge stories in state elections throughout this last term, most notably in Thuringia, where it basically brought down um, Annegret Kramp-Kauenbauer because of a um, neglect to deny an AFD um, participation in the government. 
but they don't really seem to be that major a factor in this cycle, despite polling over 10% still. So Chern, do you think this is mainly because they're not a potential governing partner? Or do you think it's because Germans have gotten quite used to the fact that the AFD are going to poll around 10% and that's just a, a feature of the party system now? I think it's more to do with the point that migration was one of the big issues in 2017, the migrant crisis, and it's non-issue now, thanks to COVID-19, that has completely, A, overwhelmed the situation, but B, because it's bored, it's shut its borders, and, you know, a lot of Europe shut its borders, you know, migration is not really a biggest political issue. I think that simply is. However, it does beg the question, therefore, that if immigration is not as big a political issue, how come is it still able to maintain the same level of support that it has? And particularly, they've done, they're going to do very well in East Germany, in Dresden as well, where they could potentially take even a couple more constituency seats there as well. So I do think that a conversation has to take place in Germany that the AFD is going to be around, but where is that support coming from? Because in this election, it doesn't seem to be migration. Could it be anti-COVID lockdown? Is that really account for 10% of the German population? I can't square that argument in my head. Can you, Sam? No, I think it's really difficult. Um, and it has stood out to me the lack of conversation around the AFD in this election, especially compared to the fact that they're not polling significantly worse than they polled in 2017. And in 2017, you couldn't have a conversation about the German election without talking about the potential pool of votes that the AFD was going to hoover up in something that Germany, because of its history, because of its relationship with far-right politics, finds deeply disturbing. A lot of Germans feel incredibly uncomfortable with the amount of vote the AFD managed to get. And yet in this cycle, they're not going to poll that much worse and are basically not being talked about. And I think my main theory on this is that because they're not going to be important in coalition negotiations, which are going to be the big story of the day, because as we've talked about repeatedly, it's looking like the SPD and CDU might collectively poll less than 50% for the first time. And I think more crucially as well, in 2017 election, the, there was no argument who was going to be chancellor. Yeah. This time round, there's, it looks like it's all our shows, but there's much more doubt about it, really. I think the question in 2017 was who their coalition partner was trying to be and therefore allowed enough media bandwidth to talk about AFD rather than now where they simply do not know. And frankly, over the last six months, you know, we had the green surge, you know, that, that dramatic surge and collapse, now with the SPD surge, that has taken up all of the media bandwidth and it therefore, we can't, it's been really difficult to explore what has maintained the AFD vote, hasn't it? And I mean, even though the AFD are not going to be involved in coalition negotiations, we expect. It would surprise me immensely if anybody invited them into that room. Do you think that they're going to have an impact in terms of what kind of government is formed because of the vote they take? Or do you think their vote is split enough that it actually doesn't make that much of a difference? That's a difficult one. I think... They're not going to form the government, but I do wonder, the AFD has to fundamentally shed its far-right roots. I think too many people associate with that. Because right now, I think, if it gets around the same as it last time, I think German 
it needs to show continuous growth for the German political system to take it seriously. And I don't think this election is quite there yet. I do think as well that for the AFD, they need to show they're a serious party in government. Like the, like the FPO, the Freedom Party in Austria, you know, they, they tried to put a lot of effort into presenting themselves as a viable coalition partner. And I don't think the AFD, particularly in the direction is being taken into it, has shown that willingness, oh, that more moderation it needs to form that viable coalition. And until it does, it's going to be treated towards the fringes of the politics. And we really see that with a more centrist CDU as well, that it's just not going to happen. So I think it's going to be ignored. And I do worry for German democracy because I do, want, I do think it's very important to understand why people vote for these right-wing populist parties. And, I don't, and right now they're trying to hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil approach. I just wonder how sustainable that is in the long term. Do you, Sam? Um, one thing for election observers to look out for is that the AFG came first in Saxony in 2017 and looks set to potentially do that again. Um, so I think looking ahead to the next Saxony state election might be the next marker for the AFD in their path to more relevance in German politics because if they can pull off a win in the state election and still be denied the office of minister president that might provide the fuel for them to kick on nationally as well. Although they're going to have to wait some time though because the last state election was in 2019 although we do know the CDU fell in that state election so they, they do have somewhere more to go. Well that has been a fascinating discussion. I would say one party of all three parties who could be potential partners, but all three are slightly problematic for each of the parties in each of the single ways. The AFD, almost certainly so, to a lesser extent the left, and to an even lesser extent the AFD. So Sam, as we close out potentially a fascinating German election, one much more exciting than one of us potentially would have thought, what are your reflections of this campaign, which is the first you and I, I want to realize that this is a campaign without the word Angler or Merkel. What are your thoughts as we close this out? Yeah, I mean, my big reflection is that, the, it, it, as we said, it's the first time in the history of the Federal Republic of Germany that there hasn't been an incumbent chancellor in the race. And nobody was quite sure what this would mean for how the election campaign was run. But I think we will all reflect on it in looking that that was absolutely instrumental in how this campaign was run because the the Green Party, for example, yes, they were surging, but they got a fair game for the Chancellery for the first time in their history. I think Olaf Scholz benefited a lot because there was lots of intense scrutiny on who could be a Chancellor from a pool of no one who had been Chancellor before. Um, and I think it provided a big opening for parties to make a big claim for the highest office in Germany. And it really shaped how the campaign was based, not necessarily on policy as much, but on leadership. And I thought that was really, really fascinating. Indeed. And I think that that to me is the biggest takeaway. This has been an election about leadership more than anything else. Particularly, one thing Merkel has done is that the office of chancery has become even more of a personality more than anything else. And that to me is the biggest takeaway. I think Germans in the last two elections have shown a willingness to shop around, 
but then end up for the safer choice of them all. And in this election, it looks like the safest choice is Ola Schultz. I think the final caveat I would say is that the German exit polls have tended to surprise, they are accurate, although if you compare them to opinion polls, they have tended to surprise. In 2013, the CDU did a lot better than they thought. In 2017, the CDU did a lot worse than the opinion polls have predicted. So the very accurate exit polls, I'm sure, Sam, you and I will be paying a lot of attention to them when they are finally released, are they? We certainly will. And I think we'll be getting out our calculators to try and work out what the potential coalitions could be, because I think there's going to be a lot of numbers thrown around, a lot of colours thrown around, and a lot of nicknames for coalitions thrown around as well in the days preceding it. And, and, and also what I'm, what I'm going to find absolutely fascinating is that the, uh, the size of the Bundestag as well, because the number of levelling off seats is not fixed, isn't it? So particularly uh-huh. the, link, the Linker and the, the AFD much stronger East, old Eastern Germany and Western Germany. I'm curious to see what the final size of the Parliament Bundestag would be. It's looking currently like over 800 members, which is quite an astonishing figure though, isn't it? It certainly is. Um... And it's going to be absolutely fascinating, as you said. But I think that is a nice place to end our special episode on German election. And we hope that you've enjoyed our comprehensive review of the upcoming Bundestag election and its political parties. We'll be back after polling day to review the results and the potential coalitions. But for now, you can continue to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at ballot underscore talk for all the latest political developments. Please leave us a rating or review or simply tell your friends about us. My name is Sam, and until next time, we'll speak to you soon.